0: Great to, uh, to have everyone here this morning, and, and those of you that are at home. Um, today's a great day, gorgeous day outside. Um, we're just going to get started. All the worship scripture is going to come out of Psalm chapter sixty-three, verses one through eight. <coughs> it reads, "O God, you are my God, earnestly." I seek you, my soul, for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seek you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because of his life. My lips will glorify you, I will praise you as long as live, and in your name I will lift up my my soul be satisfied as with the richest foods. Singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will, I remember you. I sing you through the watch of the night, because you are my God. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Soul, Dear Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for the uh seeing the opportunity, the, honor, the worship worship, praise you once again. You know, these moments were granted, all as um, first for order or hunger for food, first we do today, first we hear from you, please let us do for wherever we throughout day, throughout every moment. Thank you once again for the work. Amen. Okay. So uh, as far as announcements we have any new announcements We have, the announcements. We have the last week. The uh just as a, another reminder, um the sort uh, conference again it's gonna be June sixth to twenty seventh um, in the fall you can go on the as far as the, the email for vacation Bible school no I'm sorry church you know, um you should have gotten the email this week, uh, reach out so, okay. um and then that's it. So as far as uh, so that's it. Far as, as far as announcements are concerned, we don't care about any other announcements. Um, I do want to share, you know, it's something that was going on with, with me these these last couple of days, um, somewhat I guess a little somewhat humorous. So um, those of you that know you know I have this truck that I haven't driven in years. So it's a stick shift truck. Which, you know, there's not many stick shifts out there. So, um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Clutches, really big. Truck. Anyway, um, one of uh, there's, there's two clutches: right there. the master clutch and slave clutch on the bottom, underneath the truck, so backing of the truck, and the truck had been sitting for such a long time that it had rusted. i um, So anyway. I go and I look up everything on YouTube. So I go on YouTube to uh, find out the part that I need to find, try and I'm trying to off, it straight i try not to make anything worse, it's hard to break things. So, Nice guy to, to really hope that, that we can be one um, great guy. But you know, I'm uh which is his first language, but yet there was a language barrier. Okay. Um super awesome nice guy. Right? So you know, I'm I'm talking to him and I'm saying, well, you know, how do I do this? And and, and finally he says there's this one little teeny tiny pin that, that holds this thing in place and I said well you know it's, it's rusted in there I don't know I, I can't I can't get it out and uh so I'm banging I'm hammering everything I, I know this is listen you know that's what I can I don't know what else to tell you you're just gonna have to make that happen <laughs> and, and from that moment I, I love that guy he, he was great so I, I really hope to, to see him one day but um you know, that made me think like, man, it's as hard as it is. And eventually I did get it fixed. Um, I, did, I did get it off and I, I did make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about what we're going through right now, you know, through this, this pandemic and, you know, they're sort of opening back up and, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. And, you know, or have the church inside or, or, or in the back or, you know, we're just going to have to make it. Happen. We're going to have to find a way to, to praise Jesus because you know we're we're here and He's given us another day to praise Him. So that that's that's awesome. But uh, I just wanted to share that story with you. It made me think about this, and uh, thought it was a, a little confusing. So that's my guy in South Carolina. I don't know his name, but uh, he he was great. So all right, uh, I hope everybody has their their singing voices on and uh, singing hat on and, and the voices are warmed up. Please stand. Let's sing. Ginny, son Zeke, Abe, and Ash. Great. great Ash. Right? Uh, they are in Papua New Guinea. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a video. Because, uh, I forgot. Please pray for the Father on a moment by moment basis. Please pray for help enable us to learn the language and culture of the Adam people so that we can one day tell them that. Also pray for our children to seek Him and believe through that prayer. Any. Please pray for the hearts of the man and people we draw to him for a huge interest in future Bible teaching and translation, And pray for continued unity and love with our teammates and within our family. Praise points, praise, praise God for giving us health and safety so far. In an isolated area, I've never lived in an isolated area, and I'm spoiled. I go five or ten miles from them, going to go out to one of the hospital. Of them. Praise God for great team relationships, deep relationships, <coughs> especially with the amount people. Praise God for our boys. Enjoying living here and doing well. Praise that we're able to purchase a boat to help transport us uh, from the island. Right, the so, um don't know if it's a sailboat, hotbed, and they got a boat. All right, on to our uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Um, this is out of uh, Nigeria, country in Africa. He um, said last week, uh, in the last week of March, Christians reopened reported multiple attacks by both Boko Haram terrorists and Fulani Islamic militants in the north. On March 23rd, Boko Haram ambushed military convoy, killing about 70 soldiers, and taking some cash. Three days later, Fulani Islamic militants attacked the Christian village of Nyong'o, killing three villagers, injuring several others, burning Christian houses. The next day, Boko Haram kidnapped three Christian students who were returning home after taking university. And on March third, Burani Islamic militants shot to death two Christian men in Danwa Village. Even while we continue to pray for the world and this pandemic, let's also continue to remember those who are still facing the attacks of the Islamic fanatics. A voice of the martyr feels for. Their hope lies I think this right. Their hope lies in an ever present, all and sovereign king who is above all we right. right. Dear Lord, we're so thankful um, brothers and sisters throughout the world that are serving you, that are eager to serve you. Um, Father, we're so thankful that, um, and pray for it, and thankful for Sean and his uh, family and for their uh, desire to spread your word, to spread your gospel in Papua New Guinea. I just pray that you continue to encourage them, that you lift them up, Lord, let them know that the work that they're doing is not in vain, as well as those brothers and sisters in Nigeria who are under continual attack, continuous attack by Islamic militants on both on both ends of the spectrum, just um, pray that they continue um, to know that they serve a sovereign king that you are all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present, Lord. We just thank you uh, for allowing them to, to know that you are there, supporting them in their darkest days, their most trying times, Lord. We thank you for their servant spirit and their ad- servant attitude, Lord. And in, in spite of all circumstances, whether it's, learning a new language, and reaching out to people who do not know you, or if you're under constant attack, then in both instances how refreshing it is to know that we serve the loving and all-powerful God. We thank you for that. and thank you for these people that are always serving you. We send you in Jesus' name. Amen. stands.
1: I need your power. We all need your power every moment of every day. I do not trust my own logic. I do not trust my own reasoning. I don't trust my own will. I need your power to speak to me. I need your power to work through me. We're
0: to to you safety because we're in danger.
1: That struggle between my spirit and my flesh. Hour so, that's no different now in this hour. He would open our eyes and ears, cause us to comprehend not just the facts of this particular passage, but how this, this story fits in the larger story. What are you saying to us? Well, open our hearts
0: and our eyes, fix our understanding of the comfort.
1: So we've covered creation, we've covered the fall from innocence, last week and now this morning, the flood, Noah and the flood. These three major pictures, stories, these biblical accounts of what happened are, I think, a prelude, a prologue, to the rest of the Bible. In fact, um, I, the, the whole Bible is, is arranged in five huge categories. Well, most of them are huge. This first one is not that long, and the gospel are shorter still. But this, this introduction, this, this preview to the whole biblical narrative, the meta-narrative, it opens up with with this statement of what, with, what. so Bible gives us origins, the innocence, the relationship we had with God, and 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 then the whole tells us what we did, and, and I'm no different than Adam, and neither are any of you, and you can blame him all you want. Uh, we would have done no different. We're still not doing much different now. That we think we can run our lives better than God can. Thanks for making me. Thanks for my health. Thanks for whatever you've done for me. But I'm okay. I'm going to run my life now. I don't do any more. And we're all guilty of that. And now we're going to see some consequence to our rebellion. We're going to see some consequence our choices of autonomy, of independence. I don't need you, God. I'm I'm, I'm good on my own. So these chapters, chapters 1 through 10, thereabouts, uh, would be, I'm calling, act one of a five-act drama, of a five-act story. You remember high school literature class? Uh, Someone probably mentioned that all of Shakespeare's plays were in five acts, every one of them. And there are some people who say, well, whoever made up the story of the Bible, they were simply following Shakespeare's pattern. Well, I think those people have the story exactly backwards. I think Shakespeare is following God's pattern. And this great story combined or, or compiled of many, 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 many Smaller scenes in that meta-narrative is, is arranged so we can see it in its great movement, movements. So, creation, fall, and flood speaks to the question, how did we get here? What, what went wrong? And the largest of the five acts would be the second one. It's It's Israel. So, starting next week, God calls Abraham. Abraham has this huge family. That family becomes a nation. And for the rest of the Old Testament, for the rest of the Old Testament, we talked about Israel. How God is calling out His people. And how He interacts with His people. And what it means to be His people and what it means to not be His people. And and we'll see that for the rest of the Old Testament. Act 3 would be Jesus. That's the Gospels. Jesus is the reason Israel exists. Jesus is the result of, of God calling out his people. It's through Israel, it's through God's people, it's through God's plan that the third act is, is given to us and that the Messiah comes. God takes the flesh. In fact, the Gospels are the fulfillment of the promise prophecy that God gave to Eve in the garden immediately after the fall. That you, Eve, will have seed, and Satan the serpent will have seed. But Eve, your seed will conquer Satan's seed. That's what happened at Calvary. So this is a very connected story. In fact, there's a number of preachers through the years that is referred to the red ribbon of redemption. What they're saying is that you can see the, the fulfillment, the promise, and the ministry of Christ in every book of the Bible through these five acts. After the Gospels would be the fourth movement act in the story, and that's church and the epistles. It's the spread of the Gospel. The Messiah has finally come. And he's established a kingdom. He says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, but it is a kingdom. And he's ruling and reigning in our lives, those of us that know him. And that kingdom is spreading and spreading, still to this day, spreading. But someday, this earthly existence will come to an end. And the last of the five stages of the book of Revelation will come into being and uh, most people call it the Restoration. We've made full circle now. And it will be the Garden of Eden all over the face of the earth. And everything and everyone will be at peace. And that is God's story to us. But this morning, with that big idea in, in your mind, I want to see the very closing of, of Act 1. How does it end? And how does that serve as a preview to us for the rest of the story? Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5. So, go to work in this morning's focus. Very end of chapter 5, and let's say verse 28. Look at the end of chapter 5 in Genesis. If you're at home, please follow along. Almost like Bible study this morning. Genesis chapter 5, verse 28. Lamech. These are the genealogies in chapter 5, from Adam to Noah. Lamech is Noah's father. Now look at this. Lamech lived 182 years, and after that, then he fathered a son. And he lived a total of 777 years, but Noah was born when he was 182. He called his name Noah, verse 29, saying, pay attention to this, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed. This one thing this one rather shall bring us relief the very name Noah sounds like the word rest and it's in Noah that the earth gets some rest from the decay from the wickedness from the corruption and here's what's interesting to me how, how did how did Layman know this is going to happen And I'll I'll let you in on which is no big secret. We'll see it as we work through the passages this morning. Lamech is is not in the ark. Lamech, Noah's father, has not embraced the promise of God of safety and protection to enter into the ark. We'll get to that in about two hours. I just want you to feel this. So without being a convinced person, without being a believer, without being a disciple of Jehovah, Lamech spontaneously prophesied, this son that that my wife just bore to us, this son, Noah, we're calling him Noah, because he's going to bring relief. He's going to bring rest. To the earth. Wow. And yet, Lamech was not a subscriber to the good news. But there's a way to escape my own wrath. To get to that is the heart of, of the five or six points I want to make with you this morning. So that's our first knowledge of the word and 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 the name Noah, and it comes from his father, and it means rest or really chapter six we finally get going but there's one more little detail i got to get out of the way because everyone wants to talk about this this secondary issue make it a primary issue it's not look at verse two and four chapter six verse two and four talks about these giants verse four uses the word nephilim the sons of god verse two saw the daughters of men they were attractive and they took them as they chose verse four These giants were on the earth in those days and also afterward the sons of god came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them they were mighty men who were of old renown and people read verse 2 and verse 4 and say oh oh that's that's amazing this is these are like angels maybe demonic angels and they're ravaging the, the human women well the bible's clear that angels don't marry or maybe they didn't marry they were just rape and pillage I don't think this is some extraterrestrial, uh, not-human kind of, I think there's two things going on here that can, I think, reasonably be understood. Prior to the flood, all of creation was in what we would call like like a hothouse environment. And like some of the forests that still remain, in not so many places in Africa, but especially in South America, that because there's there's such dense humidity and and such element of, of life and and health and and minerals in the trees and 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 the foliage and the growth, people are healthy. They live long, and they grow to be. Of significant size, and I think that was the whole of the earth. It never rained before. The word "rain" wasn't a word. It wasn't. It wasn't in their minds. What is rain? It's. It's not unbelievable to me that that lizards would take dinosaur-like shape in this era of time. That's very plausible. So I think all that's happening in verse 2 and verse 4 is that some pretty large men who are wicked are raping and pillaging and taking women. And I believe that because the whole of chapter 6 is not talking about bizarre angels and extraterrestrials and, and, and uh, movie-like images. Chapter 6 is talking about the unbelievable wickedness of the world. The unbelievable wickedness. Now, if, if you just work through the genealogies of chapter 5, you'll come to some round number from Adam to Noah is roughly around 1,600 years. And that's all it's taken. 1,600 years from the rebellion, from the fall, from the decision. God, we don't need you to run our life anymore. Thanks for everything you gave us. We're gonna run our own lives now. And sixteen hundred years later, it's so corrupt that God says, I I I we're gonna to have to do a reset. This we gotta start over. All the took was sixteen hundred years. We're two thousand years after Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus said, when it gets as bad as it was in the days of Noah, then we'll be in the book of Revelation and restoration will occur. And as bad as you may think things are in the world these days, well, it's been worse before because Jesus said, when we're as bad as it was in the days of Noah, that's the end of time. We're not there yet. We may be around the corner, but they were worse still. I want you to catch that. The wickedness that grieves us in our world now, it was worse in the days of Noah. See that. Heal that. Now, let's finally go to work in chapter 6. All of this is, is preview and foundational work, and uh, let's pick up our pace. Here's point number one. God is about to send... Pick your word. Judgment, wrath, chastisement. Pick your word. But notice, before we even get to that, notice this in verse 3, chapter 6 and verse 3. The Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever. He is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Now, here's my point. If God is cruel and just crazy out of his mind, lost his temper, angry, why would he tell them, look, I'm giving you 120 years to pull it together. If he's just cruel, as someone have us believe, if if he's just a tyrant and all he cares about is, is recognition and he needs us to build him up and when we don't do that up to his expectation, he kills us all. If, if, if God is just the worst combination of Of Hitler and Mussolini and and whoever else you know to be if that's who God is why is he warning them and us look I, I, I am gracious and merciful but I am also just and my justice demands that I act at some point and at this time I'm giving you 120 years before my justice comes this is not the act of a cruel dictator who's just quimsically, irrationally, in a rage. That's it. You're all going to die, and I'm going to start over with someone else that maybe they'll really love me. Didn't your mother and father, when you were a child or a teenager, or your are old to live, didn't your mother and father say, you can't keep doing this. And at some point, there's going to be consequences to your doing this. He announces, he forewarns this coming judgment. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Yes, yeah, it's just, but there's I'm telling you. I, I, I can't tolerate this. Not because you sicken me, but you're killing yourself. And we saw in verse 2 and 4, you're hurting one another. This has got to stop. But let me show you just precisely how, how bad it was. Look at verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, that every intention of thoughts of his heart would be can Every intention. Every intention. Pastor Dave, what are you, a literalist? Yeah, pretty much I am. Unless, of course, the context is poetic and proverbial. Short of that, yeah, I, I tend to lean in this direction. Either the word every means literally everyone or predominantly an, an overwhelming majority of every thought and intention is. And it's not rare, it's evil continually. Is that a troubling verse? Verse 5? This is. Look at verse 11 and 12. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was filled, filled with violence. God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their way. You know this story. You've heard it. Here's the details. At the end of 120 years, Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives—eight human beings—believed what God had said. He forewarned them. Noah is—I'm working on the assumption—preaching, if not literally, every day. There's this ongoing evangelistic conversation happening. He's building the ark. People, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm building the ark. What's an ark? Why are you building the ark? Because God's wrath is coming. At the end of 120 years of seeing this ark being built, hearing the explanation, it's to save you, it's to save you, to deliver you from judgment. Only eight people, not even his own father and mother, believe this craziness. If that's what you think it is. And then it is. Only faith. Wow. That's just, that's more than sobering. That makes me almost tremble.
0: Only two. But
1: they were forewarned. A hundred and Hundred and twenty years before, and we're being warned. We're being born and we still find ourselves like the others, not the eight, saying, "Oh, that's crazy! That's crazy! God loves us. God, God would never do this. There is no God. We, we, we were born. We die. There's no afterlife." So live it up now because this is all there is. But there is a God. And there was a man named Noah. And there was a boy. And he believed God and no one else did. That's chapter 6. Still, still, chapter 6, look at verse 14. Chapter 6, look at verse 14. Make yourself an ark. Go for wood. The Old King James translation is called Shetim. If you mispronounce that, you're going to get uh, confused by some folks. A very hard, a very like, like dense wood. There's a wood you can get in, in some lumber yards. And you probably have to order it. It's very rare. It comes from Africa. It's called iron wood because it's like iron. You can't drive a nail through it. You want to burn up a few bits trying to drill through it. Gopher wood is like that. Gopher wood is like that. Make yourself an art. Make rooms in it. And this is how you'll make it, starting in verse 15. You get the dimensions, and here they are. It's 450 foot long. That's one and a half football fields. 450 foot long. It's 45 feet wide. It's pretty narrow. 45 feet wide. But it's three stories tall, or 45 feet tall. 15 floors, or, or, or three floors of 15 foot. And every animal, and as many people as you want to go, will fit. If you'd like to see it, there's a life-size, I want to go see it myself, not been there yet, there's a life-size replica, and of all places, Kentucky. I've really never had much desire or reason to go to Kentucky, no offense meant by that, but now I do want to go to see this life-size replica. Now, before we leave chapter six and move on, catch this—this this one more thing. We've seen the ark; we all know about the ark. But go back, go back to verse—is it fourteen and fifteen? No, let's let's make the room. Make the room. I'm sorry. Back to verse eight and nine. Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse eight. Noah found grace or mercy, or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 6, these are the generations of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless. Catch this phrase. He walked with God. See, we think righteousness and, and goodness is, is oh, he, he never said damn. Or he gave money to the poor. Or he always went to church. Or those things may or may not have been the case, but here's the overarching functional understanding of righteousness: we walk with God, and that's the big question. I don't, I don't, I don't care where you go to church. I hope you worship with somebody and you worship the living God, but but this church, another church, I, I, I there's some, there's some behavioral. Norms that we see in the Bible for Christian people, but the essence of Christianity, the essence of of, of being a person of faith, of being a believer, is that you walk with God. In this congregation, we spent all of January talking what it means to be yoked to Christ. There's this double yoke. And, and I'm in one place, and Jesus is in another place, and wherever He goes, I go. But Adam and Eve cut the yoke, and we, all of us, tend to say, "Hey, Jesus, you're getting a little crazy. You're getting a little extreme. You go your way. I'm, I'm going to. I'm just a little bit behind you. I'm still a follower, but I ain't hanging with you because you're crazy. You're extreme. You're excessive." But Adam, I'm sorry, Noah, he walked with God. He's yoked. God. That's, that's what being Christian is. It's not smorgasbord. Well, I want to go to heaven when I die, so, so let's do that. And so if, if I have to believe that there is a God, and, and, and Jesus came, and he's God, and go to heaven, okay, I believe that. But let's not get carried away with the morality stuff. And please don't tell me I shouldn't drink wine. Or liquor, even. Come on. And What's what's all this till death do us part about? Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is, well, Noah understood it long before the word Christianity existed. To walk with God. Catch that phrase. Think in those terms. Jesus said to 12 men, hey guys, leave leave your leave your typical way of life and come and walk with me. Come and follow me. We've not seen this new, not to say homemade, it's, it's, it doesn't come from a, 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 not a classic Hollywood production. It doesn't come from a big production company. It's this Christian guy who's trying to raise some money and he made one season of, of the life of Jesus. And it's tremendous. Let me endorse it from the pulpit. You should you should uh, find it on YouTube. It's, it's called The Chosen. And he's saying to these guys, come with me. And he's raised enough money. There'll be a season two and on. He's got eight of them in the works. That's what Christianity is. It's walking with Jesus. No one was doing that. He's walking with God. And God says, God, I want you to build this Massive, smaller than the Titanic, but in this world, gigantic, gigantic ship. All from wood, with no power tools and no home depot. I want you to build this. It's probably going to take you 120 years. And this will be your life's work. I'm going to tell and everyone. Easy. Okay. Peter and James and John, when Jesus walked by and said, follow me. They said, okay. And I'm wondering, are we saying, yes. Are we saying, uh, wait, wait. What exactly is this because I ain't getting crazy with you. I got hurt about you, Jesus. You're getting crazy. But Noah was righteous because Noah walked with God. Catch that, in chapter six. just can't leave chapter six do you, you see that first he forewarns them he got 120 years and then he provides a ship that they can escape the wrath that's coming oh, okay. people say God is cruel God is cruel here's what I'm saying we may not get out of chapter six yeah, I'm going to tell here's what everyone. I'm saying at all. Was Everyone seems to be mad at God because why God let that happen, why God let that happen, why God didn't this stop this, why God didn't stop that, why did, why did God do all that stuff? But in your own personal, in your civic, in your national life, you want justice. When people who don't like us for whatever reason, my point is not to get into politics with you this morning, when they, in a suicide mission, flew hijacked airplanes into the Twin Towers. This nation wanted justice. When we see white police officers acting hastily and shooting young black men down the street, what do we want? Justice. When someone's teenagers Break into your house and steal your grandmother's wedding ring and, and jewelry. You want justice. But when God brings justice, we sing, Oh, God's cruel! Somebody had to stop Hitler and Mussolini and the Emperor of Japan. And we're all glad they did. Because we like justice until God brings justice on us. That's all in chapter 6. We deserve whatever's coming like they deserve whatever came. But can you not see in the midst of God being just these great pictures of mercy I've given you 120 years and I've put a man to explain to you what's going on. And the explanation is I'm providing for you a way to escape my own wrath. God who is sending the judgment is the same God who provides a way of escape. This by the way is Calvary. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know why. Because my sin and your are laid on the back of Jesus. So we see his justice. Sin must be dealt with. But we also see his mercy. I don't have to pay for my own sin. Jesus took it. Jesus took it. Are you not glad for this great act of justice because mingled in that justice when Jesus died there's mercy because he're not paying for his sins paying for mine and yours you don't get to pick and choose when we like justice or where it's wrong and we condemn God because he's just cruel oh well, God is just but he's merciful. I tend not to be both at the same time. I lose my temper and I get sinful or I give you all the money and the food I've got. But Jesus doesn't lose his temper. God is not a maniac. He's just and yet consistent. He's merciful. Bringing judgment. Here's the way out of it. Here's the way out of it. And only eight. You better think that's it. I should be starting to wrap up. We're really just going you We've got to move to chapter 7. Verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, Get into the ark. get in the art. believing is not just academic agreement believing is i only not i not only believe that i act on what i believe you didn't say i believe god i believe i ain't getting that art because i don't know if i built it right and, and you know the parts i delegated to my boys i don't know how well they did that if they're gonna lay, i'm not sure it's gonna work No, because he was walking with God. He had caught the heart of God. He had learned the heart of God. <clears throat> and he had learned this. God can be trusted. God is just. God is merciful. God can be trusted. He got the ark. And you'll never get the ark until you pass the academics of the Bible. When you get to the heart of the Bible, no, I can trust God. It's like the Father to us. I can trust Him. And his own father Lemech said, "No, son, you go ahead." Wow. Verse 16 of chapter 7 says, "And God closed the door." He already said 120 years. Now that 120 years has come to pass, they went in the ark. Verse 16 chapter 7 and verse 16 animals were in, humans are in, and God shepherds. We tend not to like justice when we think it infringes on our right to do whatever we want to do. We think doing whatever we want to do isn't within the framework of of liberty and justice. at school, if they still do that, we would pledge our allegiance to the flag that represents this country, and we would say, All of this is because we have liberty and we have justice. But we've taken the word liberty to now mean anarchy. We, we don't believe in just liberty and justice, we don't like justice. I just want liberty, but not liberty to do the safe thing, the right thing to do. I want liberty to do anything. Take your wife. I got the liberty to do that. To exploit your children. To cheat you in business. We're moving from liberty to anarchy. They had fully moved from liberty to anarchy. Some people want the right to behave any way they want sexually, but that liberty becomes anarchy and they become a slave to what they once enjoyed as liberty. There's all kind of drugs in the world. But some hurt you more than help you. And there's a number of people that their liberty has become slavery. And on and on that illustration goes. And when it got so corrupt that everyone is a slave to their own corrupt impulse, and every thought was evil continually. God said, We, we need a reset. There's a reset here. And yet, forewarning them of judgment, have I said this about 13 times, he provides mercy a way of escape. But when the moment the last moment of that 120 years that come to pass, he close the door. And someday Jesus will come again. The Bible's clear on this. And he will close the door. He will close the door. I believe that true. You just can't take the liberties in the Bible without also facing the justice of the Bible. We Americans say that in all of our national positions. So God brings justice to us. That's, that's cruel, and unfair. We're the ones that are being inconsistent. Chapter 8 is some fascinating technical statements. I'll just fly through it really quick. There's three big things that come out of chapter 8. First of all, there's 150 days of water. That means the rain, and even when the rain stopped, the 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 float on the water. That for 150 days, for 150 days, that's about five months, there's water, and the ark is floating, and there's a little detail there. The picture, yes, I do literally believe it was the whole globe. Yes, I literally believe that. It wasn't just some region. There's a statement that says, about 20-some feet, it's given to you in Cuba, it's about 20, 22 feet above the highest peak. I, I don't want to get off on some secondary, tertiary, bizarre illustration, but it's like the world is being bathed. Even the, Bourbon Street after Mardi Gras. It doesn't even have be Mardi Gras. I don't know how how from the the, they hose down the streets. It's all kind of debris. And it's hard to find the public bathroom there, by the way. And they hose down the streets. It's almost like God is hosing down the earth. He bathes the earth. There's a reset. 150 days of water. And then there's 150 days, another five months of the water subsiding. The fountains had opened up, and the heavens were open, and from above and from beneath, the whole earth was flooded. Now it's being evaporated back into the clouds. And it's finding its way back into rivers and streams and, and underground rivers. God had originally designed it. All the water is going back to its original design. Fresh water has been separated from salt water. And everything is normal again. And then it seems like there's 60 days to allow vegetation to grow. So at least about a year maybe 11 and a half months, maybe 13 months. But this whole ordeal, eight people in the ark with all kinds of animals, those that were clean, edible, there were more of them so they could eat. Those that weren't edible, there's only two of them, male and female. So they eat, the eight of them, all of the animals, for a year, See, that's just that's that's unbelievable. Well, just because you can't comprehend it doesn't mean that God can't do it. In fact, let me again show you our own inconsistencies. We think it's unreasonable that I would give up my life for someone else. But I'm 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 kind of encouraged that Jesus would give up his life for me. I want mercy for me. I think it would be foolish. For ask me to sacrifice my money for someone else, let alone my life. Don't ask me to sacrifice. i sure I'm glad that Jesus sacrificed. Because well, that's Jesus. and that's, He does stuff like that. But when you walk with God, all that he is begins to rub off. So Moses sacrificed his life. I'm sorry. Noah sacrificed his life for the greater purposes of God. And because I believe this story to be literally true, you and I are alive because his three sons had children, who had children, who had children, and here we are. Chapter 7 is saying those who really believe what God is, they will get into the ark. They will get into the ark. And if you got to ride there a year or the rest of my life or whatever it is, I'm okay with being in the ark because God is there. And he's protecting me from his wrath that I deserve. Because I've broken every one of them more than once. And so has every human being, let's get that straight. If you think you can earn your way, work your way into heaven, boy, are you under some kind of Self deception. I mean that with nothing but love in my heart. If you're kidding yourself, we're in trouble. And I need someone to protect me from me. That's when Jesus came. To give me a new me. And I find this new me as I walk with him. So when Noah said, I want you to build the ark, okay. That's time to get in the ark. Okay. So chapter 8, a year later, we get to chapter 9. To verse 8, chapter 9 and verse 8. God said to know unto to the sons, I established my covenant. Now, if you'll just read from chapter uh, verse 9 down to verse 13, You'll find the word covenant seven times. I'm not kidding. I'm making a covenant. I'm giving you my word. I'm making a promise. God's not break His promises. Seven times He emphasizes. Seven times He reiterates. Seven times. I'm not kidding out I want you to be, make sure you hear this. I'm giving you my promise. And I'm even giving you not just a verbal promise. I'm going to give you this. You want to call it miraculous? I'm going to give you this astronomical, I'm, I'm going to give you this sign, this evidence, this reminder of my promise, because it had never rained before, but but now that the whole structure is changed, I'll no longer water the earth with this, this dewy mist. There'll be this summer, winter, seed time and harvest, rain and dry. And I'm giving this promise so you'll know the next time it rains, oh my God, it's going to flood again. No, no, no I, I will never flood the earth like this ever again. That God were cruel and mean and, and arbitrary and unpredictable and rash. If God were all that that people say he is, then he might have found some worth pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Every time it's going to, I'll let them squirm. Let them, let them be afraid. Way out of his way to reassure us. So next time it rains, don't panic. The verse eleven, chapter nine, verse eleven. I established my covenant. Never again, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Thirteen. I have set my bow in the fire. I love rainbows for this season. I love them because they're pretty, I like the colors, all that. But I love them for this reason. Funny little quick story, I've got to get back on track. Donald's first year in college in Atlanta, we went down to see him, saw a game, went up to dinner. The glad name showing us Atlanta, been around town. And we just saw their track light, and the car right in front of us, on the back of their back uh, uh, shield, you know, back of the car, was this really nice detail of arrangement. And I just, you know, about the rainbow, how pretty it was, and that's nice. And Finally, that was a sign that 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 didn't mean that. <laughs> that not mean what he things to mean. Isn't it interesting that we take the things that God gives us and we completely change their meaning to fit our new interpretation? We've done that for marriage, we've done that for parenting. We've done that to work. I can't think of any major area where we haven't done that. But all the structures, all the systems, all, all the things that God has given us for safety, for order, for enlightenment, we've taken those things, redefined them, twisted them to fit our convenience, and then said, God, we don't need more. We've redone what you gave us Made it fit our preference. So go help somebody else now. We're fine. God made this promise. I'll give me one, one last thing, and then I really got to stop. I want to give you one last thing. If you think God is just playing this out. Oh, they did this, I gotta this. Like, like there's this this massive chess match between us and God. Why, why, in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, right after the rebellion, the fall from innocence, did he make the statement about seed? Eve, your seed will crush your seed. God provided for this long before it even happened, long before Noah's Ark. God knew America would be whatever America is. God knew that every continent, every nation, every person. And that's why in Noah's day, he sent the Ark. And that's why in our day, he sent his Savior. Because Jesus is the Ark. As much as the promise in chapter nine is, I will never destroy the earth again by water. Every time it rains, you don't have to panic because there is a promise. He doesn't say I will never again destroy the earth. In Act five, book of Revelation, he does for the final time bring the last reset. All evil is banished away. And this time the imagery seems to be that of fire. Everything is purged. We're not bathed and cleansed like in the days of Noah, but all evil is now eliminated. And it's the Garden of Eden all over the face of the earth. And those who have entered the ark already are waiting for us in heaven, and they'll join us on that new heaven and new earth again. And all those who did not enter the Ark of Noah's Day or of Jesus' day or in this day, yes, I do literally believe. Eternal damn. We're living in a culture that everyone believes and eternal delight. But no, there can't be a hell. A loving God wouldn't do that. Well, this loving God of a just, and my goal is not to scare the hell out of anyone. But I do want us to be honest with the scriptures. God is in time. He wouldn't send the ark if he went. He wouldn't have sent Jesus if he went. He wouldn't have sent whatever Christian there is in your life telling you about Jesus, that you need to enter the ark. You need to walk with Jesus. You can be delivered from this hopelessness and despair. This slavery to what you once thought was freedom is now overtaking you. That's the message of the gospel. That's the hope of Jesus. These first 10 chapters, it's like a prelude. You go to the opera or, 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 or you go to some musical theater, and, and you're in your seats. The first thing you hear is just a piece, just a piece of all the other full pieces of music that you're about to hear. And these first 10 chapters of the Bible, we get a glimpse of the rest of the whole Bible, the big story of God. You're reading a book by a great writer or, or, or if, if you're watching a great movie of a very skilled not just trying to get money or scare you or tintillate your senses but really tell a great story in the opening moments or chapters of the book there'll be all kinds of foreshadowing hints and and you'll get a sense oh this, this is this is a great story this is a great story and then from chapter two or, or, or wherever he's out of act one into the rest of the story, each piece that was hinted at begins to unfold fully. And you can't put the book down. And you wish the movie would go on forever. This is a great story. Well, for me, that great story is the Bible. And we're all in that story. I got a little bit part. I'm one of the movie. I've had people come to the house for dinner and they said oh it was so great. We were in Philly and we didn't know they were filming but they were we stepped in and we we were like an extra and we're, we're in the movie. Well I'm in God's story. I'm in this story. I've got in the ark. I'm saying to you this is a great place to be. Come and join me. Get the ark. Come to the safety of Jesus. Acknowledge that my independence has hurt me more than it's helped me. But I've been better off by I stayed close to God. Jesus has made a way for you to get back in touch with God. God sent Noah for me to get back in touch in his safety. And I'm inviting you to ask someone who knows more about God than you do. Call me on the phone. Send me an email. Whoever's house you're sitting in right now, ask someone in that house. Do you have a Christian friend at work? Find someone who knows something about the grace of God. You don't need dictatorial religion. I hate it, don't want to be a part of it. But I love being around people who are walking with stuff. And I ask them, how did, how did you come to know God? How did, how did how, why that work for you? How did how that happen? them tell you their story. I would love to tell you mine. There's no reason for us to die or live in fear and die outside of God's grace. He's warned us like He did in Noah's day, a wrath to come. But He's provided a way to escape His own wrath. In Noah's day it was an art. Our day, it's the substitutionary work of Jesus. He is our art of sin. and I endorse it to you. Please, to give Him serious consideration. Let's pray. God, thank you for this great story. This is not a kid story. This is not some some. Shallow, entertaining. This, this is not some made up untrue illustration. This is your word to us, the feeling your truth in the context of people's lives and how they've down. And your big story is filled with hundreds of these little pieces, stories that make up the greater story, but help us to read them, to let, to, to, to let them wash over us or seep down within us. If you begin to say, oh, I never understood it like that, before. Now that does make sense to me. Father, you give us ears to hear, and eyes to see, and a heart to comprehend, that we can see the beauty, the love, the mercy, the compassion of your story, while you're just in the midst of with your justice, it's great. And they can enter into it. Spend our lives like Noah. Walk with him. And Jesus
0: <laughs> the the comes uh, Chapter 1, verses 4 he John, you. Uh, is, uh, is, was, and he is the and From seven spirits the Jesus Christ, is faithful witness,